0: so glad you're here. My name is Danny Rivers. If you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors around here at LifePoint. And I love First Wednesdays, even though it's second Wednesday technically right now. I love it because um, we sing more songs than we do on Sundays. We're not quite in a hurry because we don't have another service and another service and people coming and going and kids to get in and out. We're just here. Um, and it's just us chickens. Um, you didn't know you were a chicken, but tonight you're a chicken, but a good chicken. Not the kind that gets eaten, the, the, the family pet kind of chicken, just... Uh, I don't know what I'm saying now. I'm just going to stall. Um, but I'm so glad you're here. And, and after we're done here tonight, um, we got some watermelon out there. And the reason we do stuff like that, by the way, is not to feed you because we sure you've already eaten or you're going to eat better food than—am I still on? No. Um, you're going to eat better food than watermelon. But we, what we love about First Wednesdays is a lot of times people aren't in a big hurry to rush out the door. A lot of times they're willing to hang out for a while. There we go. How about that? Come on, give it up. Give it up. Um, they're willing to hang out a little bit and get to know somebody that maybe didn't know. And uh, we love that about First Wednesday slash Second Wednesday. And uh, so I want to do uh, a teaching real quick. And thank you, guys. we got some new folks in the band tonight. Give them all a big hand. Yeah. Um, I want to do a teaching tonight from the Sermon on the Mount. Um, this is the greatest sermon that was ever preached. I, I, with no disrespect to T.D. Jakes or or Billy Graham, or any of the other great preachers out there. This is the greatest sermon of all times. Uh, Jesus preached it in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And we're going to do a really long series on this one day. I just haven't uh, done it yet, but we will. Um, But tonight I want to teach from it. So I want you, if you have your Bibles, to turn to Matthew's Gospel. So that's the first book, if you're not familiar with the Bible, it's the first book of what we call the New Testament. Um, And we're going to start in chapter 5 here in just a minute. But before we do... Uh, how many of you ever heard of uh, Simon and Garfunkel? Anybody heard of this, got these guys? Paul Simon wrote a lyric one time in a song, I think it's called Blessed. He said, blessed are the sat upon, the spat upon, and the ratted on. Come on, everybody. Paul Simon, give it up for Paul Simon, right? Anyways, not really, He's, he doesn't hear you. Um, you know what's amazing to me about that lyric is that I think Simon and Garfunkel Got the context of the Beatitudes better than us religious types, scribes and Pharisee types. Um, and, and so I want to teach about that um, for a little while tonight, because the Beatitudes have been uh, a kind of an enigma um, for so many people, for so many centuries. We know that they are among the literary uh, treasures of the human race. They stand alongside of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. They stand alongside the Lord's prayer. They stand alongside the Ten Commandments. They're so popular um, that people will decorate their homes with phrases from it. Have you gone into somebody's bathroom and seen something? You're like, I don't know if I want to know that right here, right in the bathroom. But anyways, that's a good thing. Um, we, what we don't know is what's our response to these teachings, um, the Beatitudes, that is? what? H- how do we live them out? And what role do they play in our actual lives? Because some of them are like head scratchers. And are, are they a blessing? Like, are, are we being blessed by reading them? Are they to us? And, and then, or are they a curse of some type because of a lack of understanding? Do they make people actually feel bad about themselves? But here's the truth, ready? The truth is, is they are part of the good news of heaven come down, kingdom come. Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus does an incredible amount of teaching in the Gospels on the kingdom of, of heaven, uh, the kingdom of God. And and this is what it, part of that is, is the good news. And so the, the question then is, is if their good news Um, to whom are they written for? Who's the good news coming to? And it's kind of a strange thing because when you grab the context of this, it's kind of an odd crew because Jesus says in Luke's gospel, and he's quoting from Isaiah, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news and and to the poor and to the brokenhearted and to the captives and to the down and out and to those who mourn those who... Who grieve? This is who. It's good news. Now, of course, the good news it will not be that it's good to be poor, or it's good to be brokenhearted, or it's good to be mourning. The good news is, is that even when you are mourning, or even when you are poor, or even when you are brokenhearted, the kingdom of God has come to you. Even who, even those of us who are poor or brokenhearted, those of us who mourn or grieve, the kingdom of heaven is up there. Has come down here to change the world to make a difference in the world and the good news will be for poor people and broken hearted people and mourning people and grieving people uh, who will say you know what didn't come for me I'm hurting I'm broken I'm, I'm grieving I, I missed out on the good news I'm an outsider i'm like a little kid looking through the window in a fine restaurant at people sitting a family sitting around a table eating a good meal they're the blessed ones they're the fortunate ones, not me. I'm out in the streets and i'm and I'm hungry. but then the lord's anointed Jesus will say no, it's for you and for you and for you. you all can come in it's for everyone. whoever wants to come in and sit at my table it, it, it it's for you. And this is what the ancient world, particularly the nation of Israel, who had been captive, who had been beat up, who had been slammed around for centuries before Jesus comes, this is what they've been waiting for, the broken, the oppressed. That, And then one day, this poor carpenter who turns into a rabbi at the age of 30 begins to walk Amongst these very people, the downtrodden, the the broken, the hurting, the marginalized, the forgotten, the, the, the people who the religious elite had turned upon... And, and, and he starts to come, and he walks amongst them, and he sees these people who are desperately hurting, and he makes them whole. And he sees people who are sick and who are dying, and he raises them up. He finds people who who are held captive by whatever they're held captive by, and he sets them free. He literally raises the dead. He sets people free who are who are bound by uh, demons, and he casts out the demons. And people who had been living under spiritual oppression and in the grip of darkness are liberated. They're released. And and see what's happening, what is going on is the kingdom. Jesus is inaugurating. He's bringing in the kingdom through this whole this whole text. He's bringing the kingdom at work. And see, there's this crowd of people that's gathered around him as he begins to teach them about what's going on. The, 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 the Sermon on the Mount is, is literally, there's groups of people around there, including his disciples, and including on the fringes, religious people, the religious elite who are there to trap him or mock him or or catch him doing the wrong thing. Now, It's no accident, I want you to grab this context before we dive into this, that he's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom right, which is something that they had been hearing about in the prophecies, but they had never seen it for themselves. It's no accident he's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and at the same time that he's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, he's healing diseases and and healing sicknesses and setting people free. It's not just coincidental or incidental that he's doing these two things simultaneously, because what he's doing is he's telling them the kingdom is here, the kingdom is coming, and then he's at the same time manifesting the reality of the power of the kingdom in, in their midst. He is literally beginning to dispense its power. Now, he's using a method of show and tell. You remember show and tell from your back in the days, it was nice to tell the kids, hey, on summer vacation, we went to Orlando. It's better if you walk in with Orlando, like Mickey Mouse ears, can I get it? Like, oh, he actually did go because we thought you were lying until, until you pulled out the Mickey Mouse ears. Come on, anybody know what I'm saying, Right? So this is what Jesus is doing. Hey, I'm telling you that the game has changed. I'm here, the game has changed. And now he's going, hey, and I want to show you something that, that, that kingdom is coming down. So he dispenses its power. And here's what Matthew says in chapter four. This precedes our text for tonight. News about him spreads all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, uh, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he what? He healed them. By the way, he still does this, FYI. He still does this. So you have to understand, and by the way, I'm going to be a little bit intense tonight because I get fired up talking about the Sermon on the Mount. Just FYI, all right? You have to understand as we're picturing this sermon This is a kind of a motley crew that is gathered around Jesus. These are not people who are the sort of elite of the society. These are not the best of the best. They can't afford the best health care. They can't afford the best of food. They can't afford the best of medicines. These are the poor. These are the brokenhearted. These are the people who are mourning. These are the people who are grieving. These are the people who've been for centuries cast down and marginalized and forgotten, and even by their own religious system made to feel like outsiders. And so Jesus, God's anointed, has actually been dispensing kingdom power and reality up there has now come down here in a way that has never been seen before up until this time and and, and it's not just coming down to a few broken, needy lives. Now he wants to help these people who've seen him do miracles. He wants to explain what's going on. It's not just random acts of power for this one little moment. Like He has to explain up there has come down here so people can understand, so that people can see what God is doing, so they can respond, so they can join in so that they can be a part so they can get a a hold of this movement that he's birthing so that they can enter in to the blessed life not just to be blessed but to be a, a blessing to a broken hurting needy mourning grieving world that's the context the crowds are gathered right at his feet are his disciples the religious people are on the outside and he launches in to the sermon on the mount and he begins it with the beatitudes Matthew 5 here we go verse 1 now, when Jesus saw the crowds, this, these broken, these marginalized, these hurting, these grieving, these mourning, he went up on the hillside so that he could be seen. And, and he sat down, and his disciples came to him, gathered around, and he began to teach them, but loud enough that everybody else can hear. And here's what he says in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the poor, uh, in, uh, are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice. And be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And when he says these things, there's something going on in the hearts of a few people in that in that space. that They're saying, wait a minute, this is something we've never heard. And they were amazed by the authority. They were amazed. They said, hey, we've never heard a teacher like this. And and now, because of these teachings, everything has changed. And the world sort of gets flipped upside down. And the poor people are being elevated. And the marginalized are being brought in and the people who are religious and elite are being kind of pushed out to the sides. Now, many times people hear the Beatitudes and say, man, I, I'm not really any of those things. I guess, I guess that means I got to start trying harder to be like that. I guess I'm supposed to try harder to be poor in spirit so that I can be blessed and, and, and so that I can be part of the kingdom of God. M- maybe I should do something terrible so that I can start to mourn and grieve over what I've done. Now, I, I remember when I was a kid. These were taught as sort of the B attitudes. Do you remember that? People would say, "Oh, these are the B attitudes," and there is there is some context for that. But but it was it was taught like like these are the attitudes that we're supposed to cultivate or something so that we can be blessed. And sometimes even even though the beatitudes say blessed, some people will read this this list and go. I'm actually feeling not blessed now, because I, I, I'm I not mourning right now. My life is actually pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm not poor in spirit. I, I, I'm not poor at all. I, I'm doing pretty well. You know, God's blessed me, and but I don't feel blessed, and, they, and, they'll, and they'll feel guilty, or they'll feel defeated, because people look at them and think, I'm not like that, and I don't think I could ever be like that, and, and I don't even know if I want to be like that. Now, Jesus in the Beatitudes is not talking, I don't believe. I could be wrong, but I don't believe he's talking specifically about what to do in order to be blessed. I don't think he's saying, hey, everybody, listen to me now. Try hard to be poor in spirit. Try hard to mourn and be grievous. He's doing something other than this. And I'm not sure how to explain this clearly in my own terms. So I'm going to borrow a bit of a teaching by a guy named John Ortberg to try to help make this sense, this part of it right here. He would say that in the ancient world, there were two types of beatitudes, two types of blessing sayings, if I can say it that way. The the, the first kind would be um, a blessing or a saying of instruction. So um, it would be worded like this, blessed are the people who are wise, and blessed are the people who obey, who are obedient, and blessed are the faithful. And the idea here is that these are statements that say, if you do these things, And if you live this way, then you will experience the good life. And there are lots of teachings, even in the scriptures like that. And then you will be blessed. And it's designed to teach. And it's designed to instruct. And then there was a second kind of blessing, uh, a statement much more rare, and you would see it occasionally in the centuries preceding the time of Jesus, and, and, and these would be kind of like um, su- surprise announcements or apocalyptic literature is what they would call this, and, and this came about when Israel as a country was just crushed, By centuries of being held captives and being traded and being sold. And they're crushed by disappointment. Their walls have been broken down. And they've been sold off to this country and that country. And there's frustration. And they're frustrated because for years and for centuries they've been hearing, Kingdom of God... Kingdom of God messiah 's coming, messiah's coming, and not only has it not in the kingdom of God not happened, and not only has not the, the Messiah not come, it seems like it 's never going to happen Jesus or the Messiah is never going to come, and so sometimes in this apocalyptic, apocalyptic sorry literature, very rarely there would be these statements about who 's blessed and and and, and who is going to be surprised and 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 they were very sort of odd the, the ones pronounced blessed because these are people. Who were in distress. These were people who were under severe pressure. These were people who looked hopeless, that their situation seemed like no hope is possible or coming. And there's a promise of blessing. But in these few statements, the, the surprise ones, the promise always seems otherworldly, meaning it's not for now, it's not for this time, you're never going to see it. It's for a time. To come, and and the purpose of these sort of surprise blessing statements was not instruction, it wasn't, hey, try to do these things and then this will happen. The purpose of these was just simply hold on, don't quit, don't give up, just believe it's coming, things are going to happen, just be encouraged and, and be consoled. So, two kinds. Two kinds of blessing statements. One, statements of instruction. Do this, you'll be blessed. Another is statements of of hope and surprise and, hey, hang in there. And and, and this is what Jesus is doing. He's not instructing. He's not giving advice. I don't believe in the Beatitudes. You, You actually see this most clearly in Luke 6. Identical situation. Jesus has been healing. He's been helping. He's been delivering. He's been setting people free. This crowd gathers, the same kind of a crowd. And then he explains what's going on. Here's what Luke 6 says in in, in verse 20 Blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are you who hunger now. Blessed are you who weep now. Blessed are you when people hate you. Now think about what he's saying here, because I'm like, I'm hungry, so I'm blessed, right? Uh, I'm poor, so I'm blessed. Uh, I don't feel very blessed. I'm weeping now, but I'm blessed. Hey, blessed are you when everybody hates you. Oh, yes, I'm feeling blessed right now, right? See how it makes, doesn't make sense if you think this as a word of instruction. Now, not because it's good to be poor or, or, or hungry or weepy or disliked, but because, listen to me now, the kingdom of God has now become available to people who are hated, people who are poor, people who are broken, people who are forgotten. Now, because of Jesus... Now, because of Jesus, even when you're poor, you can be blessed. Even when you're hurting, you can be blessed. Even when everybody else says you have no hope, no possibility of being blessed, Jesus says, if you trust me, you can be blessed. And Matthew says almost the same thing. Back in Matthew again, chapter 5. Blessed are the poor. He changes it. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the, what? The kingdom of heaven. Now, The text has been misquoted, mistranslated, I think, so many times through the years that its original meaning and its original context has been lost. Verse 3 here I'm talking about. Dallas Willard, he's gone on to be with the Lord. Um, A professor at USC, professor specifically of the Sermon on the Mount. He had dedicated his whole life to these teachings. And and, and he says it like this. He translates verse 3 like this. Blessed are the spiritual zeros, the spiritually bankrupt, deprived and deficient, the spiritual beggars, those without a wisp of religion, when, and that's the key, when the kingdom of the heavens comes upon them, there's a blessing now. When the kingdoms of the heaven, no matter their zero stature, no matter what their bank account looks like, when the kingdom of the heavens comes upon them, they are blessed. These are the spiritually impoverished. The blessing, the Beatitudes places blessings upon those who, from the human point of view, are regarded as the most hopeless, the most helpless, the, 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 the most beyond all possibility of God's blessing or even interest, and exhibiting them as enjoying God's touch. And Blessings from the heaven up there has come down to even these people. This is what Jesus is saying: that the religious system of his day, and I would argue that religion and any form like that, uh, it, it does the same thing. It leaves the multitudes out, but Jesus comes along and says, "You are welcome into my kingdom." You and you and you and you and and he describes all sorts of conditions. He says, "All of you are welcome into this kingdom." Now. I want to clear this up because I think some of you are probably going, what are we talking about again? Let me help you out here. I think it would help if you get a picture. If you can imagine Jesus talking about somebody individually that he's just helped, that he's just healed, that he's just saved, that he's just set free. Because I think this is what he often did. Jesus would very often while he's teaching do this. Like he would use an illustration. He would grab a child and say, hey, unless you're like a child, like one of these kids right here, you're not going to get into the kingdom of heaven. This is what he would say. And, and so he's teaching to change lives. And so let's just say, this is my imagination. This is not what the scripture says. Let, let's say that Jesus is in this crowd and he sees somebody that has been brought to him that has just been helped, right? Maybe it's a man who's been brought to Jesus because he had been demon-possessed emotionally tormented. He's out of his mind. No question that anybody who sees this guy knows he's a spiritual zero, right? He's oppressed, absolutely poor in in spirit. Now they see him, though, and he's calm, and he's in his right mind, and there are people in the crowd going, I know that guy. He's a raving lunatic. We're afraid of that guy. Like we get our kids and run from that guy, but now they see him with Jesus there, and and he's right there and he's he's healed. He's in his right mind. And now he's calm. Why? Right? Because even though this guy has done nothing to deserve it, Jesus has come to this man, has touched him, has healed him. And so Jesus, maybe he gets him to stand up, and maybe they smile at one another. And Jesus turns around and, and has him face the crowd. And Jesus says, You want know who's blessed this guy right here blessed are the spiritual basket cases blessed are the poor in spirit blessed are the spiritual zeros blessed are the faith challenges. blessed are the religious disasters for now theirs is the kingdom of heaven when they put their trust in in me and this guy sits back down and everybody's looking at him and going i know that guy i remember seeing that guy stark raving mad and they're like wow Wow, look at him. And nobody has ever looked at this guy before and said, wow, before, but they do. And this guy says to the people around him, yeah, that's me. I'm the poster boy for the blessed life. That's me. And this ragtail tag crowd and this motley crew is going nuts because one of them for the first time that they can ever remember one of them is called blessed nobody's ever told us that one of us could be blessed only the people on the fringes on the outside the religious people they're the ones that are blessed and we've been told for centuries we can't be blessed but somebody's come to our group our people the down and out the forgotten the broken the hurting the grieving and said this guy's blessed all right, man, we love that. Jesus, let's get another one. And so maybe Jesus sees a woman, a middle-aged woman, and she's been sad her whole life long because she's never been able to have children. She's barren. And that's always a sad thing in our day. But in, in their day, it was seen as a curse. You did something so bad that God has withhold the ability for you to have children. And maybe now her husband has died. And so she has nobody to support her. She has no kids. She's penniless. To tell the truth, she would have, had she been younger, she would have turned to prostitution. to, to, to make it happen because that would have been the only way for her to survive in that culture for whom the children and women and the aged particularly the widows were swept away forgotten Roman culture go read your history books those kinds of people were thrown on the garbage heaps of life and so here she comes to Jesus in utter desperation because she's got nothing else to lose and she's got no one else to turn to and he sees to her and maybe he whispers to James and John you watch out for that lady right there now because this is going to be one of our core values in my kingdom, caring for widows. People aren't going to believe that in our community that up there has come down here and what happens for widows because of the transformation that the kingdom is making in this culture. You're going to see this thing start to steamroll for ladies just like her. And the good news is for women like her. And then Jesus goes to this widow and he has her stand up, and he puts around her arm around her shoulder, his his arm around her shoulder. He has her face the crowd. Want to know who's blessed? He says, "Blessed are those who mourn." She's mourning the loss of her husband. Now, now, it's not a good thing. Jesus says to mourn, but because the reality of the presence of the kingdom of God is coming down to the mourning, and they, he says, shall be what comforted right? You remember this? And you just watch what happens in the life of this woman as God's kingdom begins to take root in this culture and starts to take root in this society where these people were forgotten and broken and marginalized. And he's not saying, hey, mourning is a good thing. He's saying it's blessed are those who, because they've lost somebody so dear to them, so value to them, Valuable to them. Now they think, i missed out. God doesn't love me. God has forgotten me. They thought that they've missed out on the good life. They've missed their chance because now, Jesus says, through me, up there, has come down here. Theirs is the kingdom. And if you want it, come right on, in, and the crowd is buzzed. They can't believe it. The religious people are going, no way. This is not right. This is not how it works. This is not true. And they're angry, and they're hostile. And Jesus is teaching, and he's inviting all of these people. You're welcome. He, he, you're welcome. And everybody, every one of these phrases, you read these verses. In the Beatitudes involves situations of, of dire human needs that left people hopeless, that left people feeling other than, outside, blessed are the meek. but the, the meek are the people who've been pushed around. You, you go all the way back to Psalm 37, and, and here's what the psalmist says. The meek will inherit what? The earth. Now, why is this a significant statement? Because the meek, the meek in the Bible are the powerless, right? They're, they're the land. They're literally the people who don't own land. They were the peasants in Jesus' day, and it's still true in the Middle East to this day. Whoever owns the land is a pretty big deal. Whoever doesn't own any land, who doesn't own property, is on the outside. They're always looking in. They're never invited in to be sort of the ruling class. And so the psalmist says, the meek in God's kingdom, the meek inherit The earth And the Romans and the wealthy in Jesus' time have seized all of the land and all of the property. And the vast majority, probably everyone listening to Jesus, they're in this meek category. They've got no hope. They're they're never going to own land. They're actually a slaved nation, right? So Jesus pronounces blessings on the shy and blessings on the timid and blessings on those who have no leverage and have no connections and have nobody powerful pulling strings for them. And he's not saying, be shy. Or be timid or, or be unasservative. He's saying, hey, even if you are, even if you are meek and shy and feel powerless, the kingdom is here now for you and you will inherit the earth because of me. And nobody, not even the most powerful, even the most connected, the super religious, nobody can keep you out of Jesus' kingdom. Do you hear what I'm saying, somebody? Right? Good news. Happy are the meek because the kingdom's power is coming to them. Do you know why Christianity is so well in third world countries? particularly the kind of 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 Christianity where the spirit's power is at work do you know why they do so well Because these people are meek, and they are powerless, and they are penniless, and they are hopeless. And so somebody comes proclaiming the kingdom message, and they're like, yes to that. We don't have anybody representing us. We don't have anybody looking after us. And they are drawn like like moths to a light because it is the light, God's kingdom, God's power, right here, right now, to change the situations for people who feel less than. Come on, somebody. You hear what I'm saying? I know I'm running fast and I'm running hot, but stay with me because I'm taking you somewhere. <clears throat> Blessed are those, he says, who hunger and thirst after righteousness because they haven't got any righteousness. All they've ever been told is you can't keep up with all of the laws. There's like 600 laws and they know they're not keeping up with them. The people on the outside, the Pharisees, they're trying to do their best to keep on it and they're bragging about how they're doing it and they're saying anybody who doesn't do it, you have no righteousness. You have no right standing with God. That's what righteousness means, right? Righteousness was dominated, was owned by the religious elite. Nobody's nominating any of these people to be elders and deacons and and, and pastors in the church. They didn't go to seminary but now because of Jesus righteousness is available uh, available to them that he who knew no sin became sin for us that in him and Jesus we might become what? The righteousness of God and so Samaritans and Gentiles and people who are far off and, and the poor and adulterers and sinners and the broken and the messed up. Hey blessed are those who are searching for righteousness because they shall be filled. God's presence, God's power, God's favor, God's love, God's mercy is now available to whosoever will. Now, again, I don't believe that the Beatitudes are literally a list of instructions on how to be blessed. The Beatitudes are not, I don't think, instructions on how to do anything. The Beatitudes, from my point of view, is that they cannot be good news if they are understood to be a set of how-tos for achieving blessedness, because that's the opposite of grace. Can I get an amen on that? Right? Grace is not earned. Favor is not earned. It's the gift of God. It's the blessings of God for people who don't deserve it. So... If, if the usual interpretation of Jesus's beatitudes as directions and how to obtain the blessed life is correct, I could be wrong. I don't think I am. You would have to be poor. You would have to be in mourning. You would have to be persecuted to be blessed. Like there's no other way to be blessed but to be poor, persecuted, and, and not have any righteousness. And, and that doesn't make sense to me because of what Jesus said he came to do. Jesus did not say, blessed are the poor in spirit, because they are poor in spirit. In in other words, what a great thing it is to be spiritually impoverished, right? Come on, think about it, right? You are now worthy of the kingdom. The poor in spirit, I believe, are called blessed by Jesus, not because they are now in a meritorious condition, but because precisely, in, and in spite of, and in the midst of their deplorable condition, that they're a basket of deplorables. Anybody remember that from the last election? The rule of the heavens has moved redemptively up on them and through them by the grace and the love and the favor of Jesus, everybody. Right, So grace has come down now even to those who least deserve it. And this is why Isaiah said, of anybody who shares the gospel, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the one who comes to say, good news, our God reigns. Blessed are the feet of those who walk and say, hey, listen, because of Jesus, you and you and you have a fighting chance. Now, all of that begs the question, what does this have to do with me right now? What, what, what would the Beatitudes look like in, in our day? If Jesus were up here giving them right now, what would they sound like? I, I think where we have to start with that is, who, who are the people that our culture says are shut out of the go, good life? Who are the people, and you guys can come play some keys and give these folks hope that they are about to end here. Who are the people who get the message in our culture on our playgrounds, in our classrooms, from our, from, from our media, in our commercials that says, ah, too bad for you, you got the wrong jeans. you're too tall, you're too short, you're too heavy, you're too unpretty, right, you're too dark, you're too light, whatever the case is, start at just a silly level because we live, I think, in a silly culture. Blessed are the geeks, blessed are the nerds, come on, blessed are the wimps, blessed are you when you have dandruff and blemishes and all manners of bad breath. Come on, somebody, now I'm preaching to you, right? Blessed are those who have no fashion sense, right? Blessed are the uncoordinated, blessed are the middle managers, blessed are the wrinkled. For Jesus says, you are not a loser. Jesus says, this party that I'm about to throw, this kingdom thing, you're going to be celebrated at my table, everybody's welcome at my table. And then we go into the more serious ones. Blessed are the anxious. Blessed are the unemployed. Blessed are the divorced. Blessed are the homeless. Blessed are the dropouts and the burnouts and the leftouts. Blessed are the chronically angry and the sexually addicted and the sexually frustrated. Blessed are the mentally ill. And blessed are those who are HIV positive. Blessed are those who failed as parents. And blessed are the children who ran away. And blessed are the barren And blessed are the pregnant out of wedlock. And blessed are the failures. And blessed and blessed and blessed. Is this good news for anybody just yet? Have I talked about any of you just yet? And see, there's this part of us that's religious that goes, wait, wait, how can they be blessed? Because that's who Jesus came for. He didn't come for the healed. He didn't come for the well. He came for the sick and the hurting and the broken and the people in need of a hospital. Blessed are those who are broken. Blessed are those who felt that because of your bad genes or your bad health or your bad circumstances, your bad looks or your bad choices that you've been cut off from forever from your chance of a life worth living. You have not missed out on your chance and you can bring all of that, all of your mess and all of your frustrations and all of your pain and all of your shame and all your stuff to Jesus. Here's the kingdom now, Jesus says. It's available to you through Jesus to begin now and known in its fullness one day and enjoyed throughout eternity blessed 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 are you he says and if you receive it then you get to become a blessing to other people that grace flows down and grace flows out that those words that were spoken to Abraham all of those centuries ago I will be your God he says to Abraham and I will bless you all of the peoples and the nations of the earth will be blessed what through you abraham and then it begins in jesus's community in you the grace comes down to those who don't deserve it to those who are forgotten and hurting and broken but grace has a flow about it that grace flows down and then grace flows out and i can tell you personally that in the past, as I tried to get my brain wrapped around the gospel, because I grew up in a church culture that did not embrace the gospel in the way that I embrace it now, that was a works-based and a, and a, and a, and a legalistic culture. and I, as, as I began to wrestle with that years ago, what it means to be saved, what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And I realize, even now, I realize that I'm a long way from where I need to be. That I struggle sometimes with my attitude, my motives. my my disciplines, and I can tell you now that nobody in this room needs the kingdom more than me. Look at me. Nobody needs the kingdom more than me. But I'll tell you something else. You want to know who's blessed? I am. I'm blessed, not because I, I get it right or because I have it all together or because I'm so gifted. I'm blessed because Jesus Christ came looking for me. And I don't know why he did. But I'm so glad that he did. You know who's blessed? You're blessed, and you're blessed, and you're blessed. And this is an Oprah up here right now. This is Jesus talking through with me, right? You're blessed, and you're blessed. And it's all because of Jesus. Up there has come down here in the person. Jesus. Not, not, you're not blessed because you live a well-managed life and not because you have a lot of resources and not because you're well-off and well-fed and well-dressed and well-educated. All of that is beside the point. But because you're, you're like me. You're messed up and you're goofed up and you're junked up and you're knee-deep and you're desperate and you're, cho- and you're in a choking condition just like I am. Good news, Jesus says to you. Good news. Blessed are you. Blessed are you kingdom is coming and if you'll just receive it as a broken needy person empty hands then out of that broken needy blessedness grace comes down and you get to become a blessing to other people and, and, and in your life and then eventually in my life and the more we gather around this idea of the, God's kingdom come down And in our community, there's just this giant welcome sign. We put out this giant welcome mat to whoever wants to come in at LifePoint. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is coming. Who wants in? Everybody is welcome. And nobody's perfect. But with Jesus, anything is possible. Would you say it with me? Everybody's welcome. And nobody's perfect. And with Jesus... Anything is possible, so that every background, and every education, and every culture, and every language, and every personality, everybody says, I can be part of them too, and I can be a blessing to the rest of the world, because grace has flowed down to me, and now grace can flow through me, and it's all because of Jesus. Can I get a big amen, somebody? Father, I thank you. I wonder before I pray if you just open your hands like this, empty hands. Father, I thank you that we can come to you empty handed. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. Even now, 46 years old, pastor of Life Point Church, I don't have it all together. I can come to you and I can hear a message that blessed are the poor in spirit, and blessed are the broken, and blessed are the down and out, and blessed are the hurting, and blessed are the spiritually bankrupt, and blessed are those when people talk about me and people who hate on me because I follow you and I follow you imperfectly, but I follow you. And I can know that no matter who I am and no matter what I've done and no matter where I'm at you're saying come on in everybody's welcome at my table. Everybody's welcome and nobody's perfect but with you anything is possible. God may we as church may we as believers may we receive your love. May we get off of, 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 the, of, the, of the wheel of trying to earn this. May we realize that whatever we have, it's from you. Whatever we, we, we are, it's you. Whatever we will be, it's all because of you. May we embrace this for ourselves. But maybe we get well, may we grow larger that the kingdom is available for everybody, for whosoever will. May we throw out a giant welcome mat in our community, in our city, to every person, regardless of what they look like, regardless of who they are, regardless of how they vote, regardless of what, what what they do, whatever they look like. May we say, Jesus, we believe you can touch them just like you touched us. Jesus, you can forgive them just like you forgave us. Jesus, you can turn their lives around just like you've turned our lives around. Are blessed, not because of who they are, not because of what they do, but they are blessed because you say they are blessed, and you're welcoming them in and you're inviting them in. God, we receive your love, and we receive your grace to those who are in mourning tonight. May they be comforting to those who feel poorer in spirit. may they they inherit the kingdom. To to those who are meek and who feel shy and backwards and forgotten and powerless, may they understand that because of you, they inherit the kingdom. To the forgotten, to the broken, to those feeling left out, to those who are feeling forgotten, to those who are feeling broken, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this room. Come, come, come. Do it again, Lord. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. You've done it before. Can you do it again for us? I pray.
1: Promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Receive that. Faithfulness.
0: Would you stand with me? Would you sing
1: this Still in your hands. This, this is my God. Still stands Great is your faithfulness Faithfulness Sing it out Sing it out Still in your hands This is my confidence You never, never Sing a promise promise still stands Your promise still stands Não
0: That is exactly the kind of people for whom you've come. That we leave with the confidence that if you've done something for us in the past, you can do it again. That if you were talking to those people back in your day, you'll do it for us as well. And so we receive your love, and we receive your grace, and we receive your comfort, and we receive your help, oh God.
2: And we receive.